Welcome back to the Creatively Conscious Podcast, where we interview industry professional graphic designers and educate beginners through conversation and experiences. You can listen to this on all podcast platforms and watch the interaction, action, and emotion unfold on YouTube. Thanks for everybody that is joining me today. In today's episode, I am going to be answering some Q&A questions that I've taken from my Instagram audience. I touch upon some really interesting topics that a lot of graphic designers encounter throughout their experience of learning and share a little bit about why I first got passionate about design. So stick around and let me know if you like this format of the Q&A. It's going to be a slightly shorter episode, but I hope you enjoy. If you're new to this podcast and like what you see, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. And without any hesitation, let's get into this episode. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Creatively Conscious podcast. I'm alone today, I haven't got a guest, um, but it's not gonna stop me from delivering huge value about graphic design to you guys. And I took to Instagram and I asked a few members of my audience to give me some questions that they wanted to know about. Uh, I'm gonna be doing a, like a Q&A style episode today. Um, it's gonna be half the time of the normal episode uh, and I wanna get you guys feedback on whether you like that time scale or whether you like the dynamic of me doing like a Q&A. So that's something that I need from you guys in the comments of the YouTube video and also just send me a DM on Instagram if you liked what you saw in this episode. So it's gonna be a variety of different questions, uh, some personal experience ones, some tips, uh, and advice around graphic design. So let's get into it. Okay, so the first question comes from HP underscore graphics. And his question is, I would like to know at what age did you find your passion and what skills you've learned until now to improve your services? And then he goes on to ask a second part, which I'm gonna, gonna do as well. Uh, and that is, what are the most important ones and what do you highly suggest creative freelancers to have uh, in terms of skills, I guess. So, I first found my passion for design um, when I was 16, I think, and I haven't really told this story. I told a bit about my backstory in the episode zero, the pilot of this this podcast. So if you want to know a little bit more about my background, um, you can go and watch that. And yeah, I think 16 was probably the time that I found that there was a possibility for me to take graphic design down as a career path. Um, and I found like, people were going to pay money to actually get uh, nicely visual stuff made. And uh, yeah, it was quite a commercial thing as well. So that kind of opened up to me. But uh, the way I knew it was my passion was because I started doing uh, football illustrations. So I'd illustrate football players and uh, on, on Twitter, I'd go over there and kind of like send it to them with a chance to get retweeted. And that was kind of as at 16, I thought that was the best idea to get my name out there. Um, it didn't really didn't really do much, but I enjoyed the process of it, and I I knew I loved what I was doing because I would spend 30 to 40 hours on these illustrations when my other, my mates were either playing Xbox or going out to play football or you know doing something else with their time, and I spend my weekends doing these illustrations, and I was like, wow, that being self-aware at that age to actually see this is something that I really enjoy doing and it gives me so much pleasure um, 
and fulfillment to create these illustrations to then show people. Uh, I think that's what kind of has led me down this road now and being able to create something that I can show to people is something that I just want to continue forever. Now, a bit about what skills I've learned to improve my service. One thing I'd say that really helped me to improve my skill set was getting a good knowledge of the design software that you're using, but not just completing the hell out of it and knowing exactly what every single bit of functionality does or what effects it can create, but actually knowing which software to use for which parts of the design process uh, is really important as well. And um, it's really imperative that you understand you know, when you should be using, if you're using the Adobe suite, when you should be using Photoshop or when you should be using Illustrator because um, you'll get into the creative world and the professional creative world, um, you won't be doing it correctly. I am really happy with my knowledge of, of the software to, you know, if a project comes to me and I'm like, oh, they want this or they want this in this particular style or whatever it might be that I have a confidence that I know the software well enough, the software that I use well enough to be able to create for any project that might come my way. Uh, and that's something that is really important, especially if you're going to get uh, a job in the design industry, knowing how to create, not just having a great idea, but actually how to bring it to life is really cool um, and really important, That something that people will be looking out for if they're going to be, going to be hiring. Um, another thing that I would give as a tip that has helped me to improve my services uh, is to take on daily challenges. Um, now this might be for a year, it might be for six months, it might be for a week. But taking on a daily challenge is super, super helpful because by pushing yourself to create every single day, you'll find out what your limits are, um, where you're, when you get creative block, how you push through that, um, you'll learn a lot about yourself as a designer and understand how effective you are at designing, um, which is really helpful. So yeah, I, I would say that's probably something that's really helped me in my career, um, creating quite a lot and the amount that I put out on Instagram. Uh, I've done in the past a design challenge for a whole year to create something and post it on Instagram for a year. Um, these type of things are really helpful because you're pushing yourself and you'll, you'll find uh, you know, pressure makes diamonds. And that's, that's the whole point, isn't it? It's putting yourself in an awkward position that you haven't ever been in before. And that's the way you learn. So I think if you're thinking about doing it, just go for it. You, you don't have to post it on social media. You don't have to post it where people are going to see it, but uh, try and get feedback on it as well. That's, that's always helpful. So hopefully that, that will help you. Um, another thing that I'd say, uh, to creative freelancers, something that's really important to you guys is get a grasp of your design before you take it commercial. So improve your skill set in the comfort of your own home, behind your, your bedroom door, um, figure out what you're good at, what you're not good at. Take all those courses, take all those things that are going to really improve your skill level because there's no need to prematurely get into the design industry and try and make money from it because I've had messages from people that say like, I'm 15 but I know that I want to be a graphic designer and I know I want to make money from it how do I get clients and I turn around to them I say you are at the earliest point in your career um, don't try and pressurize yourself to get to a to the next step because you should be reveling in that enjoyment of and passion same as I was at 16 like I've just said 
of just creating for the sake of creating and creating because you love what you do. And if you're practicing and get and trying to do as much as you can using my other piece of advice, which is taking a daily challenge, you will increase your skill level. Um, you've then, I guess, got to assess whether you take it professionally, whether you start becoming a freelancer and charging for your work. Uh, that's up to you. But I think do the, the majority of your learning behind closed doors or without stepping into the industry because you want to be prepared for it um, and you want to be offering the best output that you physically can. Um, there's no no reason to be jumping into it way too early. So that's that question. I hope I've summarized what I wanted to say nicely. Um, number two comes from Powell. I'm not sure how to say your last name, so I'm just not even going to attempt it. But this is basically around recording video, uh, what tools I use and my processes. So the tips I'd give for video, I'm not the best at it, um, but I enjoy doing it and it's something that I'm definitely going to experiment more in uh, my career. But just start, basically. Just start with your phone. That's the way I did it. Back in the end of 2020, I was just recording with my phone because it was the only way I knew how to. And what recording with some with some low quality kind of equipment will do is help you to storytell and it will help you get a narrative behind your videos make them more interesting in the actual content um, a lot of people think you know you need an amazing camera and you need an amazing microphone to create good quality content but i think people always think about the equipment and the output side of things where you should actually think about the way you're strategizing to create your video content. I hope, hopefully that will help. Yeah, hopefully, Powell, you'll you'll enjoy that bit of advice. Um, another thing I'd say is your confidence on camera will evolve and grow as you get better and better at it. Um, don't be too shy to give something a go. If you really do want to do it, the, the worst thing you can do is not do it and regret it rather than doing it and messing up. You know, it's better to do it and mess up rather than not do it and regret it. That's what I always say. Uh, and for my editing process, I just do everything on Adobe Premiere Pro. Uh, I was lucky enough to find a lead that goes into my camera and into my laptop and then find a piece of software so that I can actually press record on my screen here so that I don't have to record or go and press record on the back of the camera while I'm doing this podcast. Like it's nice to have this kind of setup. So do some exploring into how you want to record and the environment that you have to record in because that's kind of the fun part as well figuring out you know what your backdrop looks like or how to how to edit the footage to look the nicest that's that's a fun part now we're going to get into a really nice juicy one that uh, a lot of people struggle with uh, now this is this is comes from tashar underscore designs and he asks how do you begin the conversation when a client asks you for your prices and how do you complete the negotiations of freelance work? Now this all starts when a client comes to you. Initially, unless you're doing uh, cold emails, cold calls, whatever it is, uh, cold DMs, a client will often come to you with an idea. And the first thing I do is try and understand their idea to the fullest uh, in my own head. Then I will offer some advice on how we can improve it, how we can add stuff to it to make it better. So immediately I'm saying, how can I upsell this work that's coming to me? Because nine times, nine times out of 10, the client will respect your opinion and say, oh, that's a really good idea, let's do it. And if they don't, you haven't lost anything from it either. So try that out, 
that's just a little little tip that I'll have. But then once you've got the deliverables of the project down, price it. Now this doesn't have to be anything too pressurized, okay? Everyone always worries about how much should I be charging? Should I, is the client gonna accept that? Are they Are they gonna be um, annoyed by this amount that I'm putting here? And I think that everybody undervalues themselves. So my tip is add 20% on because even if it's too much, you can knock it down. You know, it's you can always go down with pricing. And then once you have a confirmed price, I'm not gonna go too much into pricing because there's a huge amount of content about pricing uh, around the internet and there's so much so much gray area within it. So do do whatever you find uh, you're comfortable with and go from there because if you find that the price you're charging is how much you're, value, you're valuing yourself at and your time is that amount of money, then go with that. Next, uh, one of the big things that I am a huge proponent for is signed documents. Uh, if you're able to write the scope of the project on a document and get someone to sign it saying that they're happy with it and they're happy with the price that you're selling it at, get someone to sign it, get you yourself to sign it because you can hold them accountable to that. Um, and you'll there'll be no ambiguity with what the deliverables for the project are and they can't change the scope uh, because you can refer back to it. So it doesn't have to be the most detailed, but if you want to, um, to make it a bit more detailed to help yourself in the future when the client says, oh, you said you would do this, you can refer back to it and say, actually, no, I didn't. Um, so yeah, some sort of written document that's been signed is always good. Then I think ask for 50% upfront. And this is another question that I was asked. Um, is it correct to want 50% upfront? And how do you go about doing this? It's not hard. <laughs> Obviously, it might seem hard for you guys that are beginners, but if you operate in the way that you ask for a deposit upfront, people will respect that. You don't go on to an online shopping platform and say, you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pay your delivery charge. No, that's the way they operate. That's what you've got to do with, that's what you've got to deal with, and that's the way it will work. So don't be scared to ask for 50% upfront. It will give you confidence in your process because once you have that retainer or once you have that deposit made, you can be as creative as you like without worrying whether this person will pay you in the end. Uh, and I think that's the, the best way you can kind of get the ball rolling with your creative side. Um, I'm not the most business minded, but that's something that I will always, always recommend to freelancers. Uh, so I've kind of just hit two two questions in one there, which is pretty good. Um, so I hope that helps. So you basically, once you've got the details of the project, you've got a price for it and you've got your deposit, go to work, that's it, that's all it is. Um, and you can, there might be some pushback and you've got to deal with that, but good luck. Um, now, the next question I wanna take was from the branding Hamza. And this is a question asking what's better? Um, being a graphic designer that can do a little bit of everything or being a specialized designer. Now, uh, there's two ways to look at this and you can either be a freelancer or you can be a designer that works for a company. And there's probably a lot more different options, but I'm gonna take it with those two for now. And 
if you're going to work in a company, I think it's better to be a versatile designer. So if you can work on your skill set to make yourself well-rounded and have an understanding for a lot of different things, you will be more valuable to somebody that will employ you. However, if you want to be a freelancer, there's an argument to be made to be a specialized designer. Uh, if you're in logo design, if you do a particular output of design, if you're into flyers, I don't, that's just an example. But if you want to be known for one thing and you're going to be charging money as a freelancer, you can charge more by being specialized. That's the way the world works. Um, but a little note on the side of that is don't specialize too early because if you limit yourself in what you create, if you don't enjoy doing that anymore, you're going to turn around and be like, what else can I do? And then be like, oh, wait, I haven't got any more skills than what I know. Um, and it's, it's really good to have a broad understanding of lots of different design um, principles because it gives you a lot more open doors. That's what I'll say. So try, if you're going to be a freelancer and that's your your plan for life, um, try and be a little bit more broad in the beginnings and get your understanding of graphic design to a high enough standard where you can then say, I like doing this over this, so that's the direction I'm going to go. There you go. Um, next question is from Dom. Uh, I'm not going to say his last name because I know I'm going to get that wrong too. And this is how do you overcome the fear of not being creative enough? This is something that a lot of creatives tackle on a daily basis. Um, that imposter syndrome, feeling like you're not good enough or you've just had a, a really great project go well uh, and now you're scared because you don't know if you can do it again. Uh, the only way you can really overcome this is through experience. So going back to what I said earlier, a lot earlier in the pro in the episode, if you can take on that daily challenge and give yourself a lot more confidence for churning out graphic design in a quick fashion and not having uh, a freeze when you come up against that creative block, because there's no way you can't have creative block. Creative block comes for everybody. Uh, it's the way that you strategize and plan to deal with that creative block that will turn you into a great designer. Um, and yeah, it's just all about confidence at the end of the day. If you can create in uh, an efficient, methodical way, I think you will be more creative and you will be more successful as a creative. So don't be scared of a new project because it's a great opportunity to design something different and test yourself again. And I think you can you can change your perspective to see it as something fun rather than something like, oh, I don't know if I'm quite good enough for this. Uh, so I hope, I hope that answers that question. Um, next one is from Yoon Design. And Yoon is a really, really great creator. Uh, he's really cool. He does some really cool 3D stuff. Uh, and he's like a UX UI designer. And he didn't really have any graphic design questions or anything related to um, getting better at design. But he wanted to know about my lifestyle. He wanted to know how I handle being on social media and working for a company at the same time. Um, I guess that, that kind of balance. 
And he also wanted to know how I've benefited from my online presence so far. And I wanted to start with that one because having an online presence is not as spectacular as people might think, okay? Because once you have that online presence, you have to uphold it. You have to keep going and it almost becomes a chore. Uh, you know, th people think that they want to have a huge audience, but in reality, it's a lot of work to keep it going. Um, but I, I will say that I have found a huge improvement in my skill set since I have been designing for my Instagram uh, and putting out this podcast because I've had to learn different skills, um, different ways to market, different ways to, you know, I wouldn't have ever started video work, which is awesome or created a, a podcast if I hadn't have started my social media. So it's given me lots of different lanes to go in and I've developed a skill set for my social media or, or for my online presence, I guess, if that's the way you call it. And it's pushed me to create more often. You know, um, I do work a job. I, I do work as a web designer uh, nine to five, five days a week. So I guess I am creating all the time still, but uh, it's nice to create something that's for you and that you're passionate about creating because if you compare someone that is in my position that doesn't do the social media stuff, but he does work as a web designer and you compare it to what I do, which is work as a web designer and create stuff on the side, who, I'll leave it up to you. Who do you think is going to be better in five years time? I'll leave that to you and you can, you can figure it out for yourself. You figure out if you want to, if you want to create more daily or not. Then again, I can also say that um, don't put pressure on yourself to be at a particular standard or to create to create a, a lot. You know, look after your, your mental health as well. If you feel like you can't do something, then don't try and pressure yourself to do it. Like be kind to yourself because life is long and you'll be able to learn a huge amount in your lifetime. So there's two ways to see it. Now, uh, my lifestyle, I kind of wanted to break it down quite a lot, but Essentially, I just have an hour and a half in the morning where I get up and do everything that I want to do, uh, get ready, eat some breakfast, whatever. Um, and then I go to work for nine hours and then I come home and I've got my evening. And I go to bed at maybe 10. So I get, so from 10 p.m. till 6 a.m. I'm sleeping. That gives me half an hour and a half in the morning and four hours at night. And in that time throughout the week, I create all my social media stuff. I create my podcasts. Um, so I create, at the moment, I'm creating four pieces of content for Instagram and a podcast every two weeks, um, which is, I'm finding it pretty manageable, which is cool. Um, but yeah, that's my lifestyle. I just find that if ever I have some downtime, I will put that into creating content because it's my passion. Like like I said, right back at the start of this episode, um, I was 16 just creating for fun and I still have that playfulness of creating and showing the world what I have to offer uh, in a creative sense which is cool so I hope that's a, a little insight into what I do and why I enjoy creating for Instagram so the last question I have to wrap up this episode is what was your perception of graphic design before and how is it now how has it evolved now that you've been doing it for a while and that was from Oliver Whitehouse someone that I had on Two episodes ago, one of my best mates from uni, I met him at uh, design school, I guess you'd, you'd call it, and uh, I had him on two episodes ago. So if if you're the type of person that wants to know 
uh, more about the design education, formal design education, then go and watch that episode. If you're thinking, oh, do I go to design school? Do I not? Then that might help you. So to answer this question, I think my perception of graphic design when I started was that it was really cool, okay? And I could create whatever I wanted and people would pay me depending on how good I was and what I created. But the way I look at it now is that graphic design is very commercial. Uh, it goes alongside marketing, advertising, uh, and all those different things. So you have to almost be a businessman as a graphic designer. If you want to be a freelancer, or even if you want to succeed in a higher job role at a design agency, you have to be business-minded. You have to see where the money's coming in, how it's going out, uh, how long things are taking, which can often, more often than not, take away your love for design. Uh, obviously, I've only been working for under a year now, and I see people who are a decade into the industry and have been working for 10 years. They see it very, very differently now. They don't have that passion and love and drive to get better. So I think the one downside I would say to this industry, if you are unable to keep that passion and that strive to improve, it can get very dull and you will stagnate, which is sad. Um, so that's why I kind of do the different things that I do because I'm constantly still evolving and getting better, which is which is nice to think. Um, and I will definitely urge anybody that is wanting to be a graphic designer is don't get to a point where you're comfortable. You know, keep pressuring, keep experimenting, and having that desire to improve because that's really a good trait to have. Otherwise, you'll get to a point in your life where you don't have passion anymore. And that's really, really sad. So notice the things that you like to do, what you like to create and experiment. You know, it's really easy to find new things um, in your industry now, which is cool. So there we go, guys. That's the end of this episode. Uh, if you enjoyed this kind of format, which is like more of a Q&A, uh, make sure to let me know in the comments of the YouTube video or either send me a DM on Instagram if you're listening. Um, on podcast platforms so one final note that i have for the viewers of this episode is not to worry too much because life is long and if graphic design is truly your passion you should be patient and you should be willing to be patient rushing to become the best at your craft will only result in you skipping major learning steps and uh you'll fall out of love with what you're doing and one day you'll turn around and be like this isn't for me anymore um, the people that have a career for 30 years have been learning every single day of their career they haven't peaked a year in and flatlined that's not fun for them anymore so uh, yeah just take take it a step at a time thanks to everybody that's made it this far in the show i hope you enjoyed this new format and the idea of me answering your guys's questions i hope that you can all take something informative and educational away from this episode and 
If you have any more questions, leave them in the YouTube comment section or DM me on Instagram. And speaking of Instagram, if you want more educational design content, go and follow me over there at hedges.design. And finally, if you're listening on podcast platforms, please leave me a review. It will help other people discover this podcast and we can educate more young beginner designers. Now have a wonderful rest of your day.